Welcome to the Atlanta Legacy Makers Podcast. I'm Floyd Hall. Ruby Vale is a singer, songwriter, and musician whose band, Ruby Vale and the Soul Phonics, has established itself as a staple of the Atlanta soul music scene. In this conversation, I chat with Ruby about what drew her to Atlanta, what it's like to keep a band together, and the mission that drives their music. Ruby, I would love to sort of start with your Atlanta story. How did you get to Atlanta? What brought you to Atlanta? What were even some of your earliest thoughts about Atlanta um, before you before you got here and uh, were continuing your career here as as an artist? I am an artist from many different places. I was born in Toronto, Canada. I'm of East Indian descent, so both my parents are Punjabi. And I grew up in Florida as an immigrant. Um, so my dad moved us all down from Canada to Florida. And I did my schooling in Florida. I went to the University of Florida and was starting to look to cities that I could live in that were more creative focused. Um, Gainesville, Florida was a great place for budding creatives and budding musicians and certainly a, a really good um, music scene there. But I was very interested in studying the arts and having graphic arts and commercial arts be a way that I might be able to help fuel my music forward. Um, so I was thinking along those lines, even though I was pretty young at that time and not in the Sulfonics until I was 21. Um, so long story short, I heard uh, a couple of recruiters from this creative school speaking at, at my university and I tuned in a little bit. And my first impressions before I knew what Atlanta really truly was, um, was kind of on par with what I think about it now, just this reverence for creativity. Um, and you can kind of get an understanding that anything is possible here. Um, where I think that a lot of other cities don't have that zeal and that appeal uh, to somebody that's DIY minded. So in my brain, it seemed like the next logical fit for us as a, as a newly formed band and for myself as, an, as a new songwriter um, to kind of stake our claim in a new city. So once I graduated, I um, took some time to work in Gainesville, Florida as a project manager for a website. This is really quite funny. Um, and then I jumped ship to study uh, design. And so I went to the Creative Circus in Midtown Atlanta, and that started my Atlanta journey. And uh, from day one, I just really hit the ground as if I were an Atlantan. And um, that was not a camaraderie that I had felt in Florida previously. There was not like a huge you know, group of support there. Um, so I really felt like I had found something special in my colleagues, both that I went to school with and um, the newly formed band members that we hired once we got to Atlanta. So I came here with my original keyboardist and my guitar player um, for the Sulfonics. And um, then we started finding other players when we got to the Atlanta scene. And that in and of itself was a really cool way to discover Atlanta um, while uh, we were trying to put the band back together. Um, so, yeah, I guess my earliest impressions were this is a place for unbridled creativity and what are my possibilities here 
well, they're going to be far greater than if I stayed um, in Gainesville, Florida. So for me, it was that kind of no-brainer. <laughs> Let's explore what, what there is to offer. Um, and then I did just start to fall in love with the people. It was really cool that um, people would acknowledge you on the street and ask you how your day is going. Um, those little parts of the South that are so endearing, I really have come to cherish those things about Atlanta. Uh, and then just being paired up with some of the most wonderfully inspiring um, pure talent that you could ask for. Uh, I, I remember seeing Bosco, Brittany Bosco, at, was it Sugar Hill? There was a venue called Sugar Hill, I think. It was like the old downtown Atlanta underground. And I remember seeing her take the stage and thinking, wow, this city has so much to offer. And look at this amazing talent up here just singing her original songs from straight out from her heart, you know, and here we are like almost 15 years later and I'm still a Bosco fan. She's still the heart and soul of Atlanta to me and an artist that I have always admired um, so much. So I think it goes to show you what we do here. We support, we dig in, we get busy in the lives of each other uh, to really empower. And I think that's what sets us apart. And hopefully a little bit of what, you know, the legacy, the, the foreground that was laid for us, you know, um, has allowed us to benefit in that way. Talk about that process of putting down roots in a new city, because whenever you make that transition from one place to another, there's always that adjustment period and finding your, your balance, if you will. What were some of your first favorite things about Atlanta once you moved here? Oh, that's such a wonderful question, Floyd. I fell in love with the Star Bar. They were the first venue to give us a chance to put this crazy eight-piece band on stage. And we got to be horrible in front of people. Just the worst shows that you could ever imagine. Um, everybody was finding their feet and legs, and Atlanta gave us that chance. So I always, um, I always say that Atlanta is what made us a band. And really, it was Starbar that kind of helped cultivate that for us. Um, so I fell in love with that scene, the people that owned it, the people that would come out every Wednesday night to see us as we built our fan base up. Um, and then at that time, I was also going to school for at the Creative Circus um, for um, design. And uh, I had met my then boyfriend, now husband, first quarter at the Creative Circus, and he was studying art direction. So. I, again, I started to just really fall in love with the creativity that's here and around. Um, so setting down roots wasn't that difficult, to be honest. It, it was just, we were embraced. We were embraced. It was a very beautiful time to be a soul band in Atlanta. I think there was one or two other bands on the scene. And of course, they came to support. And each of us would, you know, send other people to their shows. And this sense of camaraderie from the get um, was really quite endearing for me. So setting up roots here wasn't, it didn't really feel like there's anywhere else we could have been, Floyd. Like, I don't know, the Sulfonics is synonymous with Atlanta now, and I just don't see how it could have been any other way. One of the things that was really apparent to me about that whole thing, like where we go on our journey and whether or not we're on the right path, was just affirmed for me on this past Martin Luther King Day uh, we went to the memorial that's on Auburn Avenue, 
and I get goosebumps when I talk about it, straight chills, because I remember um, thinking to myself, I went with my best friend who is a new transplant. This is a good story to get some Atlanta love. Um, but we went there and I, I kept telling her, you know, I feel something in my bones here. Obviously, you're, you're, you're remembering and you're learning and you're exposed to a lot of things when you go to a memorial site of Coretta Scott King and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but I kept saying to her, you know what this feels like to me is the Taj Mahal. And I don't know why. I've been to India several times. I've been to Taj Mahal several times. I don't know why I'm getting this feeling here as if I am seeing a mausoleum of sorts because that's what the Taj Mahal is. And the moment I said that, my friend turned the corner and informed me that actually, yes, the bodies are resting here of both of those civil rights heroes. And uh, I'm getting a little shaken up right now just talking about it because it, I, for 15 years, did not understand that the bodies of those civil rights leaders were actually there in that spot. I knew that it was a memorial for them. I did not know that that energy is still very much present every day on Auburn Avenue. And so uh, it just reaffirmed for me why my music of change is here, why the people that have come to help the Sulfonics create our music of change are here, how we all convened in this space, um, you know, a space that was held for us to create this music of change. I really truly believe that there's nowhere else we could be. Well, let's stay right there. Let's talk about the Sulfonics and yeah. how you how you define the band's sound or the band's mission or vision. Mm. How, how did you all come to um, understand what your purpose was as, as a band? It's another beautiful question. You are just the best at this podcast thing, Floyd. <laughs> I will join you to the ends of the earth for interviews. Um, yeah, so the Sulfonics and I knew going in that we were always trying to be pillars of a genre that has exposed the entire world to the greatness of black Americans, of their ways of thinking, of their ways of expressing dissent, of their ways of protesting. Uh, so it was more or less, how can we be a pillar for a genre that should never die, can never die? Uh, and it's been about massive respect. We all have had soul legends that have changed our lives. And um, for us, it was always about keeping that and preserving that. And then let's see how we can put our own kind of ancient meets modern spin on a genre um, that has seen a lot of change and progress. So for us, it's been about that level of respect and maintaining the fact that we would not be here without countless amounts of artists and people in the industry that have helped those artists succeed uh, for their music to be heard in the world. And I think through the independent lens, there's no better music than soul music to express the matters of the heart and the mind. And for me, it was a no-brainer that we were going to write music of change. Uh, we were going to fit in a narrative of unity through music because we have all seen firsthand the ability of music to bring people together. And uh, I think some of the forces that be don't even want us to know how powerful that is when we commune uh, and unite together in music. And um, that is a beautiful way to be synonymous with Atlanta too, is there are a million musical vibes happening in Atlanta every day. So Sulfonics were just another band 
fitting in where we could and, and trying to honor where soul music came from, the roots of it in Georgia as well, just being very important um, to the discussion narr- narrative of what is going on currently. But, you know, our first album was written and released 2012. And, you know, I, I know it's definitely a different time now in 2020, but to be honest, there was a lot of the same topics uh, approached on the first album that there are now. So I think as soul music does, it's resilient. It has staying power. It's hopefully classical and timeless in a way that educates as much as it, you know, makes people move and shake. Uh, so that's basically our mission. We try to make you think as much as we make you move. And we also consider ourselves kind of cosmically wrapped up with music as a whole. We like to explore other genres in and around soul, um, but it's more in like a kind of even an esoteric way than it is very literal. Now, you mentioned that the soul phonics came together in Atlanta. I guess the the more updated version of that came together in Atlanta. And your first release was in 2012. And this is just more so for the listeners out there. Um, a band is very much like a family. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, how do you keep a, how do you keep a band together for that long? How do you, how do you stay committed mm-hmm. to one another and, and your creative pursuits? And just how do you, evolve as individuals lives change and evolve how do you keep the band intact i think a lot of it is about your intention and your integrity and what i have found is that my intention just happens to align with my co-creators and we don't really mess with it after that if there's alignment there we keep it going if there's energy there we try to keep the momentum um Obviously, in our 15 years, we've had we've hit a couple snags and a couple low points, as every family does. Um, but we work through them objectively, and then if we could not, we've got a mediator involved at those times and aren't afraid to use some outside influences to help us through. Um, I think just like when you're dealing with healing a family, it, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of uh, talking to people outside the situation to gain perspective. It's always nice to have management that can care and guide you through as well. Um, so I would say that, you know, it's no different than how you pick your friends. It's who you surround yourself with, you know, and those people are just aligned with intention. And when they are not, then things start to shift. And then, then you'll see either people exit or they move on to something else. Um, I've also seen a significant change in myself and the band members as we entered into different relationships in our lives. So that has been really interesting to watch. Um, I'm not going to say the domestication of a musician, but (laughs) I've seen that happen several times. And it is an interesting thing to see that um, priority shift and things become a little bit more clear for an individual when they're, you know, bouncing their lives off another. Um, so that's what I would say is like, don't be afraid to, um, be in a band with people who have families and outside relationships and their lives aren't 110% music because what it does is just open up the fabric of what's possible within your music. Um, when you surround yourself with, you know, good, good people who are highly collaborative. Um, so yeah, 
you know, it's not a dream. <laughs> Every day is not like the most amazing day running a band, but there are moments where you're, where you absolutely know that you couldn't do this alone, you know, and that this was an island. And we remain grateful to those in the Sulfonics and those outside of the Sulfonics that have helped us to get where we are. Um, not just liner note thank yous, but, you know, way beyond that, there's monetary pieces of people that were involved in the beginning. And we stick, we stay true to those no matter what. Um, so yeah, I think it's a lot about integrity and intention and everybody being aligned on what are the um, needs of the collective. Well, as we wrap up, I would love for you to maybe reflect on the Sulfonics and your journey in Atlanta. And for those listeners out there who are just coming to learn about Ruby Vale and the Sulfonics, what do you want them to know about you, the band, and the way forward for you all right now? Mm, that's a wonderful question. I would say that I'd love for people to know that we're not stopping, we're not gone. <laughs> I think that significant cutbacks to our live shows obviously has been a dampener, but we've also started to get more creative with how we can bring our sounds to the masses. Um, so I just want to express gratitude to the Atlanta scene. There is a business here in town called Switchyard, it's like a collective, and uh, their tagline is made with soul in Atlanta. And I remember buying their honorary shirts to, for them to start up this business. And I bought one for everybody in the band too for Christmas. And it just couldn't be more true for us. We found our way creatively here. We were honored and shepherded through um, because of the arts programs that were laid out by the city. We have taken advantage of all of the resources for independent artists here, and there are plenty. So I encourage anybody who's a music maker in Atlanta to get out or get online, I guess now, <laughs> to virtual meetings and such. But to really dig into the scene, that's how you find out what is happening here. And, and you'll also walk away understanding that there's so much talent um, here that is often overlooked. So I guess for newbies coming to the Soulphonics, I would say, yes, we're not your LA soul band. We're not your New York soul band. We are definitely something different. And uh, it's not a new thing for Atlanta and for Georgia, but we would invite you all to be part of our vibe and pick up what we're putting down. Rubyville, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Floyd. And I'm so glad you liked the new single. It is a solo track I just put out called Straight Out the Mud. And I'm glad you dig it. It really chronicles a lot of this kind of writing in between Atlanta and LA and coming back home and surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, it's a very much next chapter song for me. So I thank you for listening to it. And for those that support the Sulfonics, uh, the solo career is not going anywhere. Sulfonics is not going anywhere. So now we got two trains running. So stay tuned. Awesome. Ruby, I definitely appreciate your music and the music of the Sulfonics, both separately and together. And I'm glad that we were able to have this moment. And I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Floyd, as well. Everything that you're doing for Atlanta Legacy Makers Project, it just blows my mind, and it's right on par with the heart and soul of Atlanta. So I very much appreciate it.
Atlanta Legacy Makers is an initiative led by Central Atlanta Progress and the City of Atlanta. Special thanks to our amazing partners, Atlanta Downtown Improvement District, Atlanta Public Schools, Constellations, Gene Kansas Commercial Real Estate, the Ivan Allen College of Liberal Arts at Georgia Tech, One Atlanta, and Supporter Report. Atlanta Legacy Makers is hosted and produced by Floyd Hall. That's me. Music by Smith and Cash. Last but not least, thank you, Atlanta. <laughs>